Um, so I will uh, be up front that I, I could have studied more on this. I just I was not feeling well this week. Um, so there's an outline of this, but this is such a when I went over it yesterday and then went over it this afternoon and this morning it's it, there's nothing to add to this chapter whatsoever it's so clear what God has to say um, and what's happening in this chapter is very simple um, throughout the first 10 or 11 chapters Paul has been trying to convince uh, the, the Jewish Christians to get rid of their works Salvation is by grace through faith, not of works. And they ask the questions, what shall we say then? Shall we just continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. And he, he walked them through this. So now, this is one of the main um, difficulties that people have in their head when they come to this idea that you are completely forgiven. This has been something that I have been studying a lot lately. Liz and I have been talking about it. Um, our camp theme this year is set free, so it's kind of the woven through every camp lesson. Uh, so what does the Bible say about our sin in reference to Christ? Well, how does he look at our sin? And the verses say specifically that he remembers them no more. And that's a very important thing. However, Romans 12 builds on this idea that your sins are remembered no more. They're as far as the east is from the west. You are secure in Christ, and nothing will ever change that. Nothing you do will ever change that. So the question has come up throughout Romans. Well, then, if that's true, we can just go sin, right? We can just do whatever we want. So he addresses that in this chapter, how a true born again, filled with grace, Christian, lives their life, what it looks like. And it says this, I beseech you therefore. And so that word beseech is important. And it means what? I'm pleading with you. I'm begging with you. This is so important. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So let's say that your sins are completely forgiven and that God paid that price by sending his only son to die on the cross for you. He was beaten for your sins. He was scourged for your sins. He was hung on a cross for your skins, sins and murdered for your sins. And then defeated your sins by rising the third day so that your sins are now completely paid for. We talked about the word propitiation today. What would be the reasonable, the reasonable response to that? It, wouldn't it be to give him and everything? Something Karen mentioned this morning. We were talk, had a really good discussion about heaven and about how people look at it in a certain way. And, and we were talking about very eloquently about the fact that, well, we really don't know what's going to be there. And then Karen mentioned, well, we know that Jesus is going to be there. That should be enough. And it absolutely is true. 
I mean, if, if we had Jesus in a dark cave and we had to sleep on the ground, wouldn't that be fine? It would just be fine. And so he's begging them by the mercies of God, meaning you don't even deserve to be able to do this. It's God's mercy. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, meaning Christ was the sacrifice that, that died. He was the one that paid the price. The wages of sin is death. So our response to Jesus is to be a living sacrifice, which means while you're living, live sacrificially for God. Um, I know many Christians who live sacrificially for God. And I know many Christians who still live for self. The ones who live sacrificially for God are always happier. They're always happier. Their life is always, not that they don't have struggles and go through things, uh, but there's just more stability, more, more uh, uh, foundation, more joy, more peace through it. And so it's a benefit. But people see that word sacrifice and they think, oh man, I don't want to give up my partying, I don't want to give up my friends, I don't want to give up this. And Paul is saying, I'm begging you for your own good. It's the reasonable thing to do. And do not be conformed to this world, but be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So according to verse 2, a sacrificial life is simply to do what is good and acceptable to God. Um, there was an interesting uh, thing I read uh, last night. There's a certain baseball team, and they are having a pride night for their um, team. And as part of the pride night, all the players are required to wear hats with rainbow emblems on it. Well, there are four on the team who will not wear the hat. And they interviewed one of them, and he said, it's the same God who tells me not to have premarital sex tells me not that homosexuality is wrong. Therefore, it's disobeying my God to wear the symbol. And so I'm using my religious rights to not partake in it. And he's very eloquent about it. But, of course, the world responded really positive to his statement, didn't they? They did not. Why? Because, and what was interesting is, is these baseball writers are saying, congratulations to this team, and it's too bad a few have, uh, still have their bigoted ways and are against it, and they're using their religions to cloak their homophobia. And these men are following Romans 12.2. Everything that goes on in the world today through trending, through following, through likes, through media, we need to, 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 to know what the Bible says like Bereans and be not conformed. Have you noticed just things that weren't even a thing five years ago? Now, if you don't believe this thing, you are certainly out of culture. That's the conformity to the world. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We haven't changed. The world wants you to change. But God's never going to change. If it was wrong 2,000 years ago, according to God, it's wrong today. God doesn't change. So don't be conformed to this world. Be careful. Be transformed. How are you transformed? 
by the renewing of your mind. Okay, trust your logic, trust your knowledge, trust the scriptures. Even if you read things in the Bible that go against your emotions and feelings. That, that's the, one of the biggest uh, kind of traps that Christians fall into is they feel a certain way and then they read the Bible and it says something different and it, uh, it, it just grinds them and they can't deal with it and they end up leaving the church and it's not a good thing. Um, so it says, I love verses 3 through 8. They're really encouraging. For I say through the grace given to me, there's that word again, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to one, each one, a measure of faith. Our, our walk with God is an individual walk. And none of us, and, and this goes all the way back to the apostles, who as dedicated as they were, still wanted to know who was Jesus' favorite. They still wanted to know who was going to sit at his right hand. And we have to be careful. All of us, let's look at the, the verse 4. Um, For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are in one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so what do we learn in these verses? That you are designed by God for certain ministries that are going to bring you joy. Certain ministries that you're going to love doing. Certain ministries you're going to have a passion for. And in this church, we do a pretty good job of allowing the congregation to follow those passions. Whether it's Jim with Nineveh, uh, Rick with Mexico and the orphanage, Carol with um, the shoeboxes, uh, Dave and Karen with Awana, uh, Junior Church and Children's Church um, uh, with Courtney, and we are there to support and there to help. But it's, it's, it's really great that, that you don't have a pastor or a deacon board that tries to micromanage everything we do and everything you do. Um, we allow ministries to flow, and we can see. Now, I'm not one. There used to be years ago, I took one. I think it was in Michigan. But they had a test that you could take to find your spiritual gift. Don't do that. They're just... just You'll know. Just things that are going to be your passion, just do. And, and things that you do that you don't, you know, we recently had someone uh, from the church step down from a ministry. And uh, um, it's hard to see this person step down from the ministry, but you don't want to force a person into a ministry that they're not called to. It's just not, it's not how it's done. Uh, here's what Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9 says. I love these verses, by the way. Listen carefully. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 9. What profit has the worker from that which he labors? I have seen the God-given task 
which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He also put eternity in their hearts. We talked about that this morning. Except no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them to rejoice and do good in their lives. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is a gift of God. Being a servant of God, a living sacrifice, finding the spot in ministry that you fit, whether it's a place that's quiet, like Ruth does in the back as she does with uh, uh, the sound system, uh, the things that, that you know, we, we, have you noticed we have new lights outside at night? If you come by, there's beautiful new floodlights put up by Larry and Josiah because Josiah has a gift for that and working with computers. Whatever it might be, um, if you're really in that, that realm of, of, of service for God where he wants you, you will really enjoy it. And he says, look at every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor. It's a gift of God. It's actually a gift of God to serve him, to serve him and, and enjoy it. Uh, but if you're not enjoying it, it's probable that you're not in the right spot. And I've known people, they've tried different. We've had people come out and work in Awana before and they lasted a couple of weeks and it's just different. But, you know, we've also had people that have been doing it for you know, over two decades because it's not a chore. They love doing it. All right. So then in the rest of this chapter, it just gives kind of uh, characteristics of a spirit-filled, sacrificial Christian. What will it look like? As we go through this list, I'm just going to let the list speak for itself. And we might get to things that you're very strong in, and we might get to a couple that you could use a little strengthening in. Uh, but God is merciful, and he will help. Verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Now, I will tell you that some of these are deep. Like this one. So we want to love without hypocrisy. So what is hypocritical love? You know, and, and I'll, I'll just say, for me, I don't know, this is not a theologically stamped uh, interpretation. Does that make sense to everybody? This is just how I see it. You may see it differently. But um, it's, it's, it's not just lip service and uh, this is something and just forgive me if you if this is sounds offensive but I'm not I'm uncomfortable around people who are they, they talk in a super spiritual tone about how Jesus loves you and you can just feel the presence everywhere and how you can just and that it, it feels disingenuous to me uh, but it may not be, so I'm being judgmental. I understand that. Try not to be. But I, I just know this verse. You know, we had somebody who came to church for a while here, and the church reached out to this person, and they were pretty critical of some of the things they were doing. And so they stopped by the house about two months ago, maybe six weeks ago, 
And they said, you know, they really loved the church and loved the preaching, but the people were so cold and unwelcoming to new people, she just couldn't stay anymore. And I called her, I called this person on it. I said, that is just not true. There's nothing about your statement that is true. I've been here 30 years, and it's the very opposite. Uh, I said, uh, it's possible that you were not welcoming to us. But it was really offensive because it, it's just let love be without hypocrisy. I, I, I didn't want to fake that, you know. And I, I love this person. If, if you knew who it was, you all loved this person. And you'd be surprised that they said this. Um, but they're dealing with their own things with God and trying to find reasons for not going to church. And people do that all the time. So let love be without hypocrisy. And, and once again... If you feel the complete forgiveness of God and grace of God and that God has taken your filthy rags and tossed them as far as the east is from the west and when he sees you, he sees you as if you have no sin and you're completely forgiven, that's motivation to, to show that type of patience and grace with other people. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Um, this is why... The stands against sin and against some of the cultural things going on, there, it's, it's becoming a smaller and smaller number. This matches with verse number two. As you do not conform to the world, we see things, and Larry comes kind of talking about this in Sunday school too. Uh, Larry mentioned that he can't watch the news because there's too much evil in it. And he abhors it. And I understand that completely. It, it does something to your soul that, that breaks your heart. But it's, it's a good thing because the opposite is worse to like say what's that like the exactly and and they have to cling you're right dave that's a really good point but, but the thing of it is people don't think it's evil they don't and and that's where there are churches who don't think it's evil preachers and pastors there's a guy you know everybody know rick warren rick warren wrote he's retiring and so he's picked a replacement a guy from the Bay Area, San Jose, terrible guy. If you listen to any of his messages, every message is the exact same thing. Welcome LGBT. It's every message he does is about that. And I'm not riding that, that, that roller coaster today, but it is in our, our mindset tonight. And it's evil. It's evil. And, and that's what we're called to do. But again, a lot of these things we're going to talk about, if you are sacrificing to God and you're filled with the Spirit, they're within you. You don't have to try to do them. Does that make sense? You change. Okay? Uh, be kindly... Uh, thank you, Dave, for that. That was beautiful. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another. I don't always like to do that, but I, I, I really try. Why? Because God tells me to do that. So we give the last cookie away or the last thing, a donut away or whatever it might be. Try to do that. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging in diligence. I'm, I'm a little confession here. I, I almost overwork for God because I'm really trying to earn his love. It's unbiblical. I can't be loved by God any more than I'm already loved. I can't be forgiven by God any more than I've already been forgiven. But as a guy who spent a lot of his time trying to earn his mother's love for years and years and years, 
I catch myself trying to earn God's love. So I do that by just working. Just working, Liz. Did I have trouble sleeping Wednesday night? I didn't sleep. Can you tell everybody why I couldn't sleep Wednesday night? I felt so bad about having to cancel Wednesday night because I wasn't feeling well. And just to, it, the, I'm, I just these verses serve it. And so a lot of times we've got to be careful with these. They, they can be... If I'm working because I love Jesus and I want to serve him and present my body a living sacrifice, that's when you really enjoy the good of your labor. Yes, Carol? I hate to do this. I really do, but I think it's really important. I want to go back to the health Sure, go ahead. And, and that's where we are going to, if you, if you go and look at Jesus who went about doing good, no matter how beautiful a bow you put on that, to stand against it. And uh, some of the uh, interviews with these players, they, they beautifully, eloquently shared their love for the community, but they abhor the sin. And because God says it was wrong, and then they included the heterosexual sexual sins in that, they were still crushed. So trying to mamby-pamby around it a little bit, I'm finding it's not the way to do it. It just doesn't, you know, why do we, what do we really want? Do we want that to be gone from our country? Why do, we, why do we hate abortion? And why do we hate the, the, the homosexual sins? Because we know God judges nations. So do you love your nation? Do you love these people? Yes, you love them so much. You're willing to take a stand and say, look at God says this is wrong. This is going to cause tremendous judgment to come upon this country. And they're never going to see the love. But some might. Maybe one. Uh, there's a couple of books out about people who have come out of that culture and into Christ. And, and they have incredible testimonies of how God completely changed their lives. And, and those are encouraging to read. So the answer to that question is, there's no way to take a stand and have and guarantee they're going to see that love is your motivation. Just can't do it. So we have to make a choice. And most churches make the choice. I'm not going to, that's a bad statement. Many churches make the choice. I'd rather have their love so we conform to the world, do you see? So they violate verse 2 and they violate verse 9. That's all I'm saying. That's why I don't bring it up a whole lot. But I will not conform to just accept whatever the majority of the world accepts. Because the majority go down the broad road and where does that go to? Destruction. 
that kind of answer a little bit? It's not a great answer. Not really. I know. I, I'm just really lost because... Uh, me too. It's I know. It's just a really difficult thing. And I, I don't know. I think maybe as a group of Christians, we need to discuss it more because it's not just black and white. It's really not just black and white. Saying that you don't approve of their sexual orientation or choices or whatever, which they then say it's not about sex, which it obviously is. Right. Not approving of people who steal is accepted. Right. I don't even know if I'm explaining that. No, it's perfect. It's it's one of the most difficult things to talk about, but I really like what you're talking about, only because the end game is salvation. So there's, actually, there, there's obviously a lack of Christ, a lack of salvation. So that is really the question you should ask, is, is how, how can I reach any of people in this that are being completely like sheep gone astray? Is there any way you know, it's the old starfish story. You know, you know starfish story. You know, starfish and starfish, and the guy throws one starfish back, and people came in and said, "You know, there's hundreds of starfish. You're not making a difference." And he says, "I am to that one." And so, if we can make a difference to one, then then that's what we want to do. But yeah, let's let's discuss this more in the future. Maybe having uh, a gathering together or something where we can do it. Get some scriptures out. I appreciate that. Um, verse 12. Uh, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. I hope you can see that a lot of these things are things we preach and teach and do. We try to, you know, uh, Nineveh is definitely meeting the needs We've always been a pretty hospitable church all the way back from the beginning when we used to pay people's bills and we had food on hand. Even long before Nineveh, we were pretty good at that. You're, you're a very giving church. Uh, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Here comes the hard ones. <laughs> That's a hard one. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And... This is something that used to just drive me crazy when working with teenagers. You know, when a student was crying, uh, they would tease, make fun of, or what's that? And maybe they're crying because their dog died, and somebody would say, it's just a dog, what are you crying about? And then somebody would be really happy, oh, we get to go to Disneyland on Sunday. And somebody would say, what's the big deal about Disneyland? I've been like 10 times, so what? Quit being a baby. And that, that idea of not being in tune to the emotions and feelings of other people, it, it's just, uh, it's not our job. We're not the center of everybody's attention. They need to be esteem others higher than yourselves. Look not on your own needs, but also on the needs of others. Um, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. How about that one? Do not be wise in your own opinion. That's social media in a nutshell, isn't it? It's just a bunch of people's opinions, and everybody thinks they're right. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. 
Verse 18 is key. It's one of my favorite verses. If at all possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And this goes to exactly what you were just talking about. And my brother, for reasons I won't get into, is just not talking to me. Uh, hasn't talked to me for a couple years. Um, and, you know, Liz, Liz and I have, have done quite a bit to live peaceably with him. We have compromised. We have looked the other way to his, his um, lifestyle and his political views and his, um, you know, I remember the day after Donald Trump was uh, elected president, he just went off the rails and Patricia had had a reunion with her college roommates and they had a picture of the dinner and uh, he replies, they posted it on Facebook and he replies, uh, look at just a bunch of white privileged girls who could care less that our country is just da 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 and it's like, it's your niece, Come on. she's just going to dinner and so we've done everything possible and, and as far as I feel right now if, I, if, if we never talk again that that's fine with me. We've done everything possible, haven't we, Liz? We've we've gone out of our way, and and he's the one that oh we we I've never stopped talking to him, but this is probably the umpteenth time he's done the same. Um, and uh, so, why would God say if at all possible? Because sometimes it's just not possible. We can't control how the other person is going to respond. The Bible says, marvel not that the world hates you. And I remember Shimei throwing rocks at David. And they tried to stop him from throwing rocks at David. They went to him and said, David, you want us to take care of this? And David said, no, let him keep throwing rocks. Why did David say it was okay? Because God has placed him there. This is God's will. And so, boy, that's a hard way to look at it, but that's the truth. So I like that verse. So I try to, as much as possible. Uh, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I repay, says the Lord. All of this will be taken care of. The Bible says in Psalm 37, to fret not because of evildoers. And um, I fret a lot. The evil in this world frets me. And the attack on, you know, and, and uh, I had a friend of mine the other day. I didn't realize that they were, and I just, this is just how it works in our brains. So they, have you heard about the, the, the pink triangle? So the pink triangle is in the Bay Area. And it's a gigantic pink triangle they put up every June. And the pink triangle represents all the nations in the world who arrest those in the LGBT community and how many countries, they list all the countries that it's still against the law to be gay. And I just thought, boy, let's go to Voices of Martyrs and look at every country in which it's against the law to be a Christian and how many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are persecuted. What if we, why don't we get to put a triangle up somewhere? Would the city let us do that to recognize Christians who are, and and so what happens is, um, okay, God, you see it. You know, you know what's going on. 
you see it. And so we are just going to continue to love and preach the gospel, understand, you know, and Jesus says they need a doctor. Jesus says they're by, you know, by the grace of God could be us in the same way if you want to look at it that way. So he says in verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. So this is actually a quote from the Old Testament. But um, do you guys know what it means to heap coals of fire on your head? What is it, Carol? It's a blessing. It's a blessing. I've always thought of men burn their heads. Yeah, because you look at it and you say, okay, yeah. I just got told not to have vengeance, but then I said, boy, if I feed them, they're going to say, ah. Oh, they're going to feel so bad about it. I have this, this note written that sure. from you. Oh. Um, that it's giving a person more coals for their fire than they even asked for. Yeah, so they, you know, everything in Israel is fire. And they have little um, chimney kind of things in their homes. And if they go out, you just need one coal to get it started again. So they would carry the coals on their head. They, they, you know, they're hot. It had to be hot burning coals. So they would take these pans, metal pans, and they'd put some, you can look it up on Google, but they put um, pads on their head and they'd carry the thing and they'd ask for a coal. And instead of giving them one coal, they would heat coals of fire. And so what you're doing, it's basically a, a, a verse that the Roman Christians would have understood at the time. Um, but it, things change over the years. But it basically means go the extra mile. It's the same thing. It's a principle. And I think you're going to see a lot of these things written in Romans 12 are principles all through the scripture, aren't they? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, esteem others higher than yourselves. Uh, this is verse 21. This is what Larry was talking about this morning. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So for Larry to do that, he's got to stay away from the news. And for me, I've got to stay away from certain sites on the Internet, certain places. Um, because it, it, the, the, when I read an answer and I say, oh, that's a great answer. That, an eloquent answer, uh, that's better than I could have ever answered that question. And then they are just so belittled, berated. Uh, it's a tough time. Carol, you're exactly right. It is a tough time. And this issue is not going away anytime soon. Anytime soon. Any other questions or comments? Lord, thank you for these uh, bits of advice. Lord, we can take them. Obviously, there are a few of these that, that um, I struggle with and, and that I'm working on. And all of us probably, as we go through this list, see things that it's great. But Lord, the real... Uh, foundation of this whole thing is just to be willing <coughs> to do whatever you ask us to do to be a living sacrifice go where you tell us to go do what you tell us to do find the ministry find the work find the, 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 the place you want us to be and Lord enjoy uh, the beautiful privilege of serving you we thank you in Jesus name Amen